dynamic voices for a diverse church. This is Pass the Mic. Well, good evening, everyone. I only deal with expressive audiences. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the five-year celebration of Jamar Tisby's landmark work, The Color of Compromise. Yes. Speaking of the color of compromise, a wise man once said these words, history and scripture teaches us that there can be no reconciliation without repentance. There can be no repentance without confession. And there can be no confession without truth. The color of compromise is about telling the truth so that reconciliation, robust, consistent, honest reconciliation might occur across racial lines. Yet all too often Christians and Americans in general try to circumvent the truth-telling process in their haste to arrive at reconciliation. This book tells the truth about racism in the American church in order to facilitate authentic human solidarity. Five years ago, these words, among thousands of others in this book, were introduced into the church. And these words have changed the trajectory of lives, of churches, of generations, and the way the American church thinks about racism. And it is our honor to be here to celebrate Dr. Jamar Tisby's work. I'm your host for the evening. My name is Tyler Burns, and I work with Jamar Tisby as his bodyguard and anger translator. <laughs> I, I've been fired multiple times, but I'm, I'm still here. I'm still here. It is my honor to be your guide through this conversation. Tonight, we're going to have a number of different things. Jamar is going to give us an incredible keynote presentation. We're going to reflect on five years of the color of compromise. Um, we want to acknowledge some special people in the house. Uh, Jamar's in-laws came all the way from Kansas City, so we want to acknowledge them. Can you please stand for us? Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We also want to acknowledge the fact that many of you drove from a different states or flew from different states. If, uh, let, let, well, let's do this. If you drove more than an hour to be here, can you raise your hand? More, wait, before you clap, before you clap, hold on, keep your hands up. I don't want your hands to get, get tired. More than two hours, more than three hours, more than four hours. More than five hours-ish. Yeah, you're like, maybe more than six. Where, where are y'all from? Where are you from? Call it out. Chicago? Wow, Chicago is in the house. I hear there's a group from Cincinnati, Ohio that's also in the house. Indianapolis is in the house. Where are you from? St. Louis is in the house. And there is a um, special person that is here also from Washington State. Brooke, can you stand, please? She is all the way here from Washington State. Thank you so much for your support. For those who are uninitiated, you know I love gassing up Jamar, if you are familiar with the podcast. So I've got a good old bio for Jamar, and I'm going to read this like this is the I have a dream speech, OK? Um, Jamar Tisby, Dr. Jamar Tisby. 
I'm kidding. He's the author of the New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestselling book, The Color of Compromise, The Truth About the American Church's Complicity in Racism. And he wrote the award-winning book, two times award-winning, How to Fight Racism. His forthcoming book, which you will see some of special announcements a little bit later, is entitled The Spirit of Justice, Stories of Faith, Race, and Resistance, and it comes in September of 2024. And if you slip something in my hands, maybe I can get you an early release. He has also contributed chapters and articles in more than half a dozen books. Dr. Tisby is a professor of history at Simmons College of Kentucky, a historically black university uh, founded in 1879. Uh, he has been a co-host of the Pass the Mic podcast since its inception more than 10 years ago. His writing has been featured in CNN, The Washington Post, The Atlantic, and The New York Times, among others. In 2021, he was named one of the 21 faith leaders to watch by the Center for American Progress. Dr. Tisby earned his PhD in history from the University of Mississippi, studying race, religion, and social movements in the 20th century. When I think of Jamar as his friend, I think of this Howard Thurman quote, where Howard Thurman asks, uh, gives this level of advice when it comes to purpose. He says, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go do that because what the world needs is people who have come alive. What strikes me about that quote is that in his following of what makes him come alive, Jamar Tisby has also given us what the world needs. That all in one fell swoop, he gave us what makes him come alive with purpose and what we needed in terms of perspective. What he has done behind the scenes, I remember even the early days of the crafting of this book. And I remember some of the conversations that he had. I remember the about two dozen book titles that he sent me. And said, so what do you think about these? And the one that came to the surface was the color of compromise. And when he decided, I said, there's no more fitting thing to do. It is a courageous, brave, fearless act to speak the truth in a world and in a church that often does not abide by it. It's courageous. And so I honor you, jokes aside, as my friend. I honor you as my brother. I honor you as my colleague. And I honor you as someone who I not only get to work with, but I look up to. And I think I speak for all of us when I say thank you for all that you have done. Thank you. Hey, everybody, this is Tyler. This is Dr. Jamar Tisby. And we are excited that you're listening to this episode of Pass the Mic. But let me encourage you to support us. You can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash pass the mic. And for just $1 an episode. Just a dollar? Now, that's the bare minimum. That's four quarters. But if you want to go higher, okay, 5, go 10, higher. 15, right. 20, 25, whatever it is, that will keep this show going and keep the high quality that hopefully you enjoy. So thank you for listening. But you can take it to the next level. Patreon.com slash Pass the mic. We appreciate you. Hey, folks, Dr. Jamar Tisby here, and I want to make sure that you know about the Justice Takes Sides brand. This is merchandise. This is apparel to help you represent your values. This is about getting people off the sidelines and into the struggle for justice that's ongoing today. Go visit justicetakesides.com, get your merchandise and apparel there, and follow us on Instagram at Justice Takes Sides.
So, you want us to do a podcast, right? Let's do it. Greetings and God bless. Welcome to another episode of Past the Mic, Dynamic Voices for a Diverse Church, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Tyler Burns. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BurnsClan. Please follow at your own risk. And joining me, as always, is the founder of The Witness. He has a very extensive bio. He is the man, the myth, the legend, the two-time best-selling author, Mr. Blue Check Verified himself. You can follow him at jamartisby.substack.com. Dr. Jamar Tisby, what's going on, brother? Hey, bro. Welcome to Louisville. Louisville, give a shout out. And we are here at the Speed Art Museum in Louisville, Kentucky, to celebrate five years of the color my, my, my. of compromise. My, my, my. That is absolutely incredible. Five years. Yeah. So in January of 2019, did you ever expect to be here? Not at all. So number one, things come full circle. When the book came out January 2019, we did the book launch party in Chicago during what the meteorologists called a polar vortex. So that gives you a sense of how cold it was. And here we are again. It's single digits plus wind chill. So it's very cold outside, but it's hot in here. As we talk about five years of the color of compromise, it was my first book. So I had no basis of comparison, no idea what to expect. So there's a question that I've always wanted to ask you. And uh, every time we hear people give testimonials like we did tonight, about how the color of compromise changed them, the color of compromise helped them. Specifically, the color of compromise unlocked something in them, right? There's always this, this question and this testimony of that. So my question to you is, it's good that it unlocks something in other people, but what did the color of compromise unlock in you? Oh, see, Tyler always comes with these probing questions. Goodness, thanks, Oprah. Um, <laughs> Here's what it unlocked in me. It was a focus on not measuring change by external progress, but by internal transformation. In this justice work, our barometer is often external. What laws did we change? What policies did we pass? And the sad truth is, we might lose more than we win in that estimation, but I am more and more convinced that the work of justice is not just what it does to the world, but what it does to us. It's about who we become by pursuing justice. And that is the victory. And that is the change and the transformation we should measure. That's good. I, I want to ask you this question because I think it seems like, you know, with it being a New York Times bestselling book, that everyone's read the book. But we know that's not the case. It's not the case. Right? So do you feel like it is both the tension of, of celebrating who has read the book and grieving who has decided not to read the book? And how do you balance those dual feelings five years later in the midst of everything that's going on in the world to know that we still need the color of compromise and so much of what you poured out is still necessary for today? Honestly... I have been so overwhelmed by the response to the book. Uh, over 100,000 copies sold, which means 100,000 people reading the book. You know, you always wish and hope for more because I think the knowledge is important and even transformative if you let it be. 
but I've been so overwhelmed by the response that I've I've just been caught up and, and still in a state of bafflement by that. But at the same time, I've realized that you know a book like The Color of Compromise has has really compelling and important information. But what we're dealing with when we're talking about racism and white supremacy is ultimately not a head problem; it's a heart problem. And I don't mean that to circumvent any truth-telling or hard-hitting analysis or anything like that. But I've simply found, and I think you would concur, you can stack books from floor to ceiling. You can share all the articles, all the statistics, all the graphs, and it will not move someone one inch in their beliefs about race. I have come to the regrettable conclusion that many of the people who call themselves Christian but hold these really harmful racial beliefs and attitudes were in us but not of us. I'm not the judge, but the way I approach it is as, is as if they don't know Jesus. It's as if we have to approach them where we're not starting from the same point of truth. And how then do I convey something that I am persuaded is real and genuine and true to someone who is not yet persuaded of that? That's how I think about it now. A number of people ask this question, a version of this question is, you know, obviously five years now. What are the next five years? What do the next five years look like specifically, not for new projects, but for the color of compromise? What do you think the next five years looks like for this book? Because in five years, 100,000 copies, I mean, mind-blowing growth. So now what does five years look like to advance that message? Well, I hope this book becomes part of a stream of literature that has contributed to the conversation that we're having about racial justice. So it just becomes like a go-to. Like everybody's got an old yellowed copy on their bookshelf. I would love for that to be the case. I think it's a book that we'll constantly revisit because everybody ain't woke. <laughs> Your favorite word. Um, not everybody paid attention in 2020. Not everybody paid attention the last election cycle. Not everybody is paying attention to something like white Christian nationalism. And there will come more times, usually instigated by crisis, like black death, that makes people sit up and say, I need to learn more about this. So I hope in the next five years, people continue to revisit it, that it will be there as a resource in times when people are more open and curious to learning and making progress on racial justice. We only really have time for one more question. They're already oh, giving I'm me that sorry, black my church like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? They done text me like five times. Um, so, do not disturb. Um, so, somebody asked this question I think is really interesting. You know, you talk about, you know, courage and, you know, commitment. And they did a flip on this, which I appreciate. You know, what do you think about how do you deal with despair and defeat? Oh. And I think one of the, the key questions and the key considerations that we all can benefit from leaving here is how do we deal with the moments where we do lose? You mentioned that. Yeah. You know, how do we deal with those losing moments? And how have you learned as someone who people are following in this work? Mm. 
Because mm. I think it's not just that people are, are gathering around your work. They're also following you in the work. Lord have mercy. And I know that's humbling for you, but it's yeah. the truth. And you should, you should know that. As you blaze these trails, people are walking in the path that you blaze. So how do you deal with despair and defeat? And what words can you give to those who are presently dealing with it? Let me first say that it is difficult, lonely, discouraging, and confusing much of the time. <laughs> Almost as the default. And rare are those times of certainty and clarity and energy. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's weird here, you know? Um, just because we're up here with microphones doesn't mean we have any secret key to this work. What I've come to rely on is a couple of things. In those oft, often moments of discouragement, number one is community. Uh, folks like you, where I can text you or call you and say, boy, you won't believe what these folks done did this time. And he just let me vent and process and get some wisdom, right? Um, therapy, yeah. you and I both lean on. Yeah. Professionally trained folks <laughs> who can deal with the mess of life have, has been helpful. History has been helpful because I learn about folks like Fannie Lou Hamer. And I'm like, goodness, if she went through that, yeah. I can go through this online troll. That's right. Good. That's good. You know? um, uh, but honestly, and, and this will be my last point, uh, I know not everybody here or listening is Christian, but for me, it's Jesus. Oh, that sounds so cheesy. But listen. <laughs> there is a depth of faith and relationship with Christ that you cannot access yeah. apart yeah, yeah. from being persecuted for righteousness sake. That's what it says in Matthew chapter five. Yes. Blessed are you when you are persecuted, not just cause, but for righteousness sake. So for doing the right for thing and you will catch blows and you will catch arrows, but there is something of the sweetness of Jesus there is something of the presence of Jesus that gets right up close to you, shoulder to shoulder, and you realize there's this warmth here, and I'm not alone. Yeah. The world, it might feel like the world is against me, but Jesus is by my side, and Jesus is for me. And I know there are some folks listening whose thread, whose faith is hanging on by a thread, and I urge you that cling to that thread, which is Jesus. Because he's never let you go. Amen. And that's what keeps me going. Amen. Hey. 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 Put him in B-flat. <laughs> Jamar, you want to talk about what's next for you. Man, we want to talk about the, the book and also give honor to those who have made tonight possible. Yes, yes. So first of all, let me shout out the team. 
Um, whatever you see on social media or online, that ain't just me, I promise you. So I want to shout out Mary Kate, my social media manager, uh, here with us in spirit. Anything you see on my Instagram feed or graphics wise, she's probably behind it. She's been with me for over two years and is an invaluable part of the team. I want to shout out Yami, who's here. Where you at? There we go. My business manager who is kicking my butt to make sure I do what I'm supposed to do. If you need to schedule something with me, if you need to get something done, Yami is the person. Also want to shout out Izzy, who you saw before. She is our merchandise associate. She does everything with Justice Cake Size. And I want to shout out Simone, our event manager for this evening. Thank you so much to the team. We also want to shout out Magnolia Catering for yes. the most beautiful selection of food I've ever seen in one place. Thank you so much. Um, Jamar, you have another book coming out. I do. And we want to give the people a little something. Oh, you want to I'm give so everybody excited. a signed copy of... I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you got that you kind of money. You called me over, so I was like, you know what, I should be generous. Check under your seats. Check no. under your seats. <laughs> Um, talk, to, talk to everyone about the book, which I am so excited about. So tonight, I thought it would be fun if we did something a little bit out of the norm, which is do a cover reveal for my forthcoming book, The Spirit of Justice. Do we have that ready? So you, for the first time ever, are seeing... Go back one to the animation right there. <laughs> the Spirit of Justice, Stories of Faith, Race, and Resistance. I want to talk a little bit about the book cover as an entryway into uh, the content of the book. So. First of all, at the top, you see this blood red cover to symbolize the violence and the bloodshed that goes along with racial injustice. That is superimposed over an artist rendering of 1619 and the arrival of enslaved Africans uh, to Port Comfort in Virginia. Not that our history begins there, and in fact, in the book, we go back to Africa and talk about our own civilizations and religions and cultures, but as we cross the Atlantic, so much of our history is defined or trying to be defined by that dehumanization, but we don't stop there. As you go lower, you get these figures. Of course, you'll be familiar with the figure in the center, that's Miss Coretta Scott King. I spend a, a good portion of time in the book talking about her as a civil rights activist and a global peace activist in her own right, not just as the spouse of uh, Martin Luther King. On her left is a man named Elias Camp Morris. Anybody heard of E.C. Morris? Mm -hmm. yep. Love it. You're going to learn about him. He was the first president of what became the National Black Convention USA Inc., which is to this day the largest black Christian denomination in the country. 
He was the pastor of Centennial Baptist Church in the Jim Crow era. Now, Centennial Baptist Church is located in Helena, Arkansas, which is in the Delta region of Arkansas, which is the town that my family called home for over a decade. And so we get to talk about E.C. Morris, a, a, a figure not just in black history, but a significant figure in American religious history. And finally, is Anna Murray Douglas. Yes. You may have heard of her husband, Frederick, but you need to know about Anna Murray. That's right. There would be no Frederick Douglas without Anna Murray Douglas, who yes. was raised free in Baltimore. She was a seamstress. She, in fact, sewed the sailor's outfit that Frederick Douglas used as a disguise on his escape. Now, Frederick Douglas is a fugitive slave. She harbored a fugitive slave in her home at great risk to herself until he was legally emancipated due to fundraising from European abolitionists. And then he ain't had no money. So she used her own savings to support him and the family on his many long travels nationally and internationally. Anna Murray Douglas is one of the figures we talk about in the spirit of justice. And what the spirit of justice is about is just as there's always been racism, there's always been resistance to the racism. Uh. To me, what's remarkable about injustice is not that it occurs, but that there are always people willing to stand up and resist it. And that's what this book is about. The people who never quit, never quitting. Hmm. They tapped into something that I call the spirit of justice and found the strength to take one more step, found the strength to get up one more time and stay on that journey of justice couple of topics we're going to talk about the spirit of justice as an overview in the introduction then we just like the color of compromise we walk through a historical survey becoming african-american the language of liberty in the revolutionary era the anti-slavery movement so we talk about abolitionists uh, fighting for freedom there's a long history of black participation in the civil war fighting for their own freedom Building black institutions, I'm really excited to talk about. I get to talk about Simmons College. I get to talk about HBCUs and uh, black institution buildings where we finally get a chance to make, build our own tables. We talk about beyond the quotable king. There's a whole chapter on the parts of king that folks like to ignore from his anti-war and, and uh, anti-militarism stance to his stance uh, for uplifting the poor and cross-racial interaction of the poor and more and more. But then we talk about women of the movement. The civil rights movement was really built by black women. And so we spend some time talking a whole chapter about that. Then we talk about the black power era where we were asserting that we are black and Christian, not either or or one above the other. We're both at the same time. And then we talk about the next justice generation, like folks in this room and what we're doing today to fight racism. The spirit of justice hits shelves September 4th. Stay tuned, we'll do a book launch event here in Louisville. But for the first time tonight, we are announcing that pre-orders for the book are officially open. <laughs> if you buy, if you pre-order the book, you get access to the first chapter on the spirit of justice. Not instant, it will, we'll email you, but it's coming. <laughs> You'll get an exclusive recording of tonight's keynote. This was not live streamed. 
Only folks who get the book, they'll get it as a pre-order bonus and much more to come. We've got several months to launch this baby correctly, and you're going to be an integral part of that. But as a thank you, we want to give you the opportunity to not only pre-order, but get all these bonuses, first-time exclusive access as a thank you for your support. Here are the QR codes. You can order at christianbook.com for 30% off right now, or if it's easier, you can order from you know, the, the big website. And uh, that's available now as well. And you'll get the lowest price that they offer from now until the book's released. So no matter what it says now, you'll get a discount if, it, if the price goes lower. So that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to introduce you to the Spirit of Justice. You're the first audience, the first group that gets to hear about it, to see the cover as a thank you for supporting us on the five-year book anniversary of The Color of Compromise. Thank you so much for coming out.